On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Firestorm, starring NFL star and commentator Howie Long, with Aaron Neuwirth from Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Come on, Jesse! Not again! You are not jumping out You're of the You're right, I'm not jumping. It's more like falling. Where were we? That's right, I was in the middle of kicking your narrow ass. That's right. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 82. This is Brandon, and as always, with me looking into the heart of the firestorm, your co-hoster, Colin. Hey, Fox, I've watched a football game before, too. Put me in an action movie. And today we are here to discuss the 1998 film Firestorm. Colin, weather the storm for us with a synopsis. Firefighter Jesse Graves has to save ornithologist Jennifer and other people caught in a forest fire, which was set up by the lawyer of convicted killer Earl Shea, who escaped from the prison with several of his inmates posing as firefighters to recover $37 million in stash loot. Firestorm is directed by Dean Semler and stars Howie Long, Scott Glenn, William Forsyth, Barry Pepper, Susie Amos, and Christiane Hurt. And here with us to discuss the film from out now with Aaron and Abe making his sixth appearance on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, Aaron Newerth. Cult Cinema Cavalcade, still alive! How are you, Aaron? I am very happy to be here to talk about this movie because it is, as I think I always say, a movie. Yes. A yes. thing that was made at one point in time that you can't not deny happened. This um, this this movie was fun to revisit, and I'm excited to hear your guys' reactions because mine is it's more positive than I think you might be expecting. It was my first visit, <laughs> and uh, I re- I re- although I remember I know its existence. I remember the trailers and stuff. Trailer, I just yeah. saw them and said no. <laughs> that was yeah. and as much as an action junkie as I was, I just was like, I I'm watching I'm not watching him in this, no. <laughs> no. No one was fooled by the trailers. Everyone knew what this was gonna be before they walked in. Well this was this was very much a I'm renting this at Blockbuster movie, which is exactly what happened. That's the way I saw right. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> how long he was in Broken Arrow, he was fine, but I wasn't gonna uh, just <laughs> Well that's how he got this job. Yeah. He did an acceptable amount of acting in a movie unrelated to this, and Fox said, put him in an action movie. Make him the star. The fun thing I like is Howie Long's film career is strangely versatile. Like, because he has, yeah, he has Broken Arrow, and in that same year, he's in that thing you do in deleted scenes where he plays Tom Hanks's partner 
in that movie, which is such a weird, like, Howie Long? All right. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was supposed to be a Stallone movie, and then the studio that had it fell under, and Fox acquired it, and then just put it in a turnaround for a cheapie, and that's why we get big explosions that happen off screen. I'm going to say because this is cliffhanger, but with forest fires. Right. It's pretty much... It's die hard in a forest fire. That's what it is. It's hard rain with fire. <laughs> yes. Graham Yost, writer of yes. Hard Rain, did, a, did, like, did rewrites on this movie, right? Aaron, you picked Hard Rain last time. We were there months ago, but I was having serious vibes from Hard Rain while oh, watching yeah. this. The villains the, weaving through forest fires instead of a flooded town. I was just waiting for William Forsyth to say, I just want the money. <laughs> And then there was a part later on where Howie Long's swimming underwater and he comes up and it's raining. I expected Jars of Clay to start playing. <laughs> it really felt like it was right. Like, Oh, man. So if it was just made five years later, it would be Evanescence. <laughs> I was impressed that this movie was able to combine all the ingredients to create Captain Planet. I mean, this movie ends with fire, rain, earth. Right. What? <laughs> And, of co- and a little bit of heart. Right. Like, literally, because he throws an axe and, and hits Wortley of course, in the heart. <laughs> but it's still on a, and he's a, He kills the bad guy on a speedboat in the water. Yeah, it's, in the rain. The rain. Well, it's windy. It rain I forgot wind. It's windy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how the fire moves, right? Oh, but you know who also has heart? And his beds won't catch fire, Cullen. Tom Labrie. Hi, I'm Tom LeBrie, and this is Night Comfort, brought to you by LeBrie's Waterbeds. Tonight we have a special guest, Mr. George Papad. Welcome to Night Comfort, George. Mr. LeBrie, hi, thank you, sir. It's a pleasure having you on the show here because we've shown quite a few of your movies here. Well, I'm I'm glad to see you're keeping up the nationwide uh, King of Midnights. I call myself. You like to watch uh, late? Oh, night I never watch them. No. But uh, the other night, somebody told me they stayed up from one until four. Mm-hmm. Watching uh, the Sam Shepard murder case, uh-huh. guilty or innocent, uh-huh. which were really—I don't know—are you going to sleep after that one or not? <laughs> it's very interesting. It is interesting because the pictures I've made ten years ago, fifteen years yeah. ago, um, and it is worldwide. That's what really amazed me. I just did a small part in a Spanish film, and I was in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And the day I left, they have one channel in Spain. Government controls. Right. Nine o'clock, best time slot practically in the week, the Blue Max. Before that, I did a picture in New Zealand. You know New Zealand's two islands? No, I didn't. It is. North Island's close to the equator, South Island gets colder. South Island, you take a little airplane, you Mm -hmm. go down over, you finally get up in the mountains, a little tiny town, a little tiny airport, one channel again. They get on a wire, which is in and out. I landed, I went to bed, I got up the next morning, went out to a restaurant, and a 14-year-old girl came up to me and said, Mr. Papard, I just saw breakfast at Timothy's, and I think you're wonderful. And I wanted to say, don't you think I'm a little older, darling? <laughs> but she didn't see that. Uh-huh. There's an audience out there that creates itself as they grow up uh-huh. because of your magic machine here. Yeah, it brings and a because lot Because of, of programs like yours. Yeah, I like to bring a lot of entertainment to people, and a lot of times they miss the first run, so they get to see it later on. Well, I hope they like it. Okay, well, it's been a real pleasure having you stop by, Josh. Thanks, Tom. Firestorm, the hit January movie of 1998. Always a sign of quality in the 90s. And you know what, though? It's perfect timing for Fox because it's playoff time in the NFL, so they could just plaster Howie Long doing promos for this. 
the whole time, which this was shot in 96 and sat till 98, but I guess it's it's January 1998, might as well be 97. Well, yeah, he shot around the NFL on Fox stuff to make this thing, which, you know, he only has to you know, work one day a week for the, the Fox stuff, but I think it's weird to have a commentator just be the star of a major motion picture, and mm-hmm. everyone's just supposed to be okay with it. Shaq was playing in, in basketball still, but right. also starring in movies. <laughs> As awful as Shazam is, Kazam. it makes me... You're right. I'm sorry. Shazam isn't out yet. I'm sorry. As awful as Kazam is, I'm somehow more right with it than this. For whatever I th- reason. I gotta say, uh, Failure to Launch, Firestorm, those Fox NFL Sunday guys don't really have a good track record. Bradshaw and Howie Long. But Ditka's a lot of fun in kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell. Right. But also, not the main character. That's the difference. <laughs> Firestorm opens with a nice factoid saying that there is 30,000 wildland firefighters in the U.S. Only 400 are trained to parachute into a blazing forest fire that ground crews can't get to. Quote, unquote, these elite men and women are called smoke jumpers. So we get to the title. That's not the phrase smoke jumper. (laughs) Right. Which is so funny because I'm like smoke jumpers is also like it must be a real term. And they're just like, we just want to put this up here so people don't know we're making this shit up. Okay. (laughs) We're not just come up with some whack ass term that we hope sticks. The thing I thought immediately was, well, clearly somebody suggested the title Smoke Jumpers, and they thought Firestorm was, like, the better go-to. And then I realized, Entourage realizes, because they had a fictional movie called Smoke Jumpers. <laughs> like, he was filming that, and, like, they had Stellan Skarsgård playing, like, a Warner Herzog type, and they didn't get along. I remember this plot line from Entourage, and I kept thinking, Smoke Jumpers, the alternate title for Firestorm. <laughs> Well, when I saw Smoke Jumpers at the end of that text, I thought, that's a much better title. Like, I want to see Smoke Jumpers the movie. <laughs> Howie Long is Smoke Jumpers. <laughs> like, why, why isn't Howie Long's name, like, Craig Smoke Jumper? <laughs> that was my exact problem with Skyscraper this past weekend. Why is, why is Dwayne Johnson not called Tom Skyscraper? <laughs> Sky scraper. We open up to some sky jumpers. I'm guessing they're sky jumpers. They're riding out to a scene of a fire in a in a mountains, and they're kind of you know those uh, wise ass guys giving them each other shit. And uh, you just know that this is that scene where something bad happens to like Howie Long's character, who's Jesse. People are gonna die, and we get like X time passed later after mm-hmm. it. You just you just know this is this is that scene. It's kind of not, but uh, <laughs> Wint, played by Scott Glenn, he's their leader. He goes over their mission a bit, and they jump out of the plane and parachute into the forest fire. As they land, Howie, as Jesse, puts on a baseball cap, and they begin to rescue whatever's happening there, dropping exposition lines about the bad things that can and are going to happen while they do this. Morning, you get those people away from the cars! We don't need to call him Jesse. We can just call him Howie. Howie? All right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's less confusing. Let's <laughs> call him Howie. I knew his name was Jesse. I refused to write it down. Like, no, you're <laughs> Howie Long. You're Howie Long, and you just happened to stumble onto the movie set while they were making Firestorm. There's a little girl stuck inside, a, of course, a log cabin out there. Uh, Jesse then shows up with a chainsaw and cuts down a tree. 
there's this confusing thing of guiding fires in this movie that I don't quite understand, but they tell me that's how it works, so I go with it. Cutting the tree allows them to get in the house and start busting things up to enter. They find the girl and a pet dog hidden inside a dollhouse, and they make it out before a tree crashes onto the house, and then an RV blows up and lands on top of Wint's legs with the words, shake and bake. Jesse pulls him out, and they all hide under him, the girl, and Scott Glenn hide under a fire blanket. The female smoke jumper then has to make a big call on where the plane can drop its last bit of extinguishing fluid, and she chooses the road over the house, and everyone thinks it's a SOL situation, but appearing from the darkness comes Jesse, Wint, the little girl, and the dog, and they slow motion celebrate as it enters our one-year-later card, which, so I was kind of right. But I guess this right. scene is to show Scott Glenn got hurt. More Scott Glenn's big failure, that he's not the hero, it's it's Howie Long. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw the poster, I knew that wasn't going to be the case. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned slow motion celebrate, that's the exact note I have. I have slow right. motion celebration. I thought something concept. bad was going to happen when he threw that, that helmet up. I thought it was going like, to land on something and blow up, because it, it just looked like too happy, and then they focused on this hat flipping. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And then nothing. One year later, it was like a true celebration. Because I like what it cuts to. It's like it shows Howie. It shows people reacting. Then it shows the dog shaking himself off. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Yeah. And then it shows the guy throwing the hat in the air. And I was like, oh. And then it, and then it cuts back and forth between those three things. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> and something bad yeah. has to happen. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. One year later. Oh. You guys are knocking this down. I'm into this right now. This movie, <laughs> so far, it's like, I get it. There's smoke jumpers. Howie Long. He's always right. That seems to be the, the momentum of this movie as far as I'm concerned. It's like, okay, as long as we trust Howie Long, things are going to go okay. It's only when they stray from his path that things go wrong. Now, as soon as I saw, uh, like, the smoke jumpers looking for Howie Long and everyone else, and I just saw a wall of smoke, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Right. And when I saw their silhouettes, I just started, like, my fists just started pumping in the air like, yes, yes. This is Firestorm. <laughs> this is exactly what I knew was going to happen in this movie. I just didn't think it was going to happen in the first five minutes. <laughs> to to back up, saying this is Firestorm, that's the impression I got when the title appeared on screen, where it's big block letters that say Firestorm. And even then, <laughs> the title's not even done yet. The title's like, no, you will put the names of the cast yep. and the crew on top of the title because I'm not going anywhere. Like, that's the, that's the entire thing. <laughs> That whole opening sequence is just, fuck you, you're watching Firestorm. I like their fire blanket, by the way. I wish they came back into play. That was Right, yeah. The, the fire yeah. blanket never it never came back. Seems very useful. And neither did hiding inside of a dollhouse. I was like, oh. There is hiding in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah there's, there's some key hiding at this point. Uh, one year later, Jesse is training future smoke jumpers with the old team, and he then name drops the title in there, and he goes... Here. Trust me, you don't want to get caught in the path of a firestorm. He, he provides yeah. some key facts that I wrote down too because I found this fascinating. At 300 degrees, trees explode. <laughs> At 500 degrees, rocks explode. And when I heard that, I thought, well, that's neat, but so what? <laughs> Yeah, we did get an epic scene with trees and rocks exploding, which was unfortunate. Right, right yeah. In the, in the first scene, it was like, hey, you know, it gets so hot, these cars, the gas will explode, and that's what happens. And then he's, they give more of this stuff, and then that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this, too. It, uh, this movie, I mean, as silly as it is, and it will certainly get, 
it looks good. It's a good, it's a well shot movie. Mm -hmm. I was impressed by a lot of the stuff they're showing me for a cheap movie like this. And I saw the cinematographer, it's Stephen F. Winden, who's done like most of the, all the recent Fast and Furious movies. Oh. He's done a deep blue sea. <laughs> the opening, you talk about the effects, like that's all like actual fire. They were surrounded by real damn fire. As cheesy and ridiculous as this movie can be at times, they need to be applauded at least for surrounding themselves in life-threatening danger. Yeah, there's some good fire effects here. I'm not going to say it's... I mean, I don't think Backdraft's a great movie, but I mean, I'm not going to say it's that the level of Backdraft as far as the effects are concerned, but like, it does its job. Like, it feels like they're caught in a firestorm. I mean, it doesn't... It never feels like a soundstage. There's actual fire looks great. The CG fire questionable sometimes oh yeah but yeah and that's and that's even then it's much later when they finally go like full cg fire yeah the only time that the cg is questionable is like when they just decide well we have to go big and yeah. we'll, we'll just do what we can they yeah. have to actually burn down a forest to get the effects they wanted if they didn't use cgi like it, it's actually fitting that this we're doing this right after skyscraper came out because one of my complaints about skyscraper was that movie for a movie about a building that's on fire the fire never really feels real Obviously, the building's not real, so, you know, you can only do so much of that, but the fire never feels like a threat. It just feels more like, a, oh, it's in the way. Like, this feels like, oh, yeah, there's fire around it. It's dangerous. Like, that, I get that impression from this movie. After we see what a wonderful leader Jesse is, Wint shows up noticeably limping, and we find out that he's retiring. Jesse has a talk with him about the retirement, feeling guilty about the actions of the previous year. Wint says not to worry about it, and that he knows about the surprise party they are throwing for him. He shares a photo of himself with Jesse's dad, and they talk about him, and how he goes Mr. to... Mr. Long. Mr. Long. How, right. he, how he goes to rejoin his trainees, and Wint looks mischievously at them. There, there is no doubt that, uh, I mean, they don't even try. I mean, they try, I mean, the, the script says, hey, look, surprise, but there is no attempt at making Scott Glenn look innocent in anything at all. Yeah, when when you cast the main arsonist from the previous Big Fire movie, yes. yes. <laughs> it seems pretty suspicious as far as who's involved here. Well, yeah, he looks like Satan's henchman. You know, it's just, he can't help it. It's just his, his Oh, yeah. I mean, even young Scott Glenn looked like a leathery 50-year-old man. Yeah, Scott, Scott yeah. a guy that's always seemed old. Oh. He looks like his bones are put together with nicotine and the tears yep. of orphans. Some sweaty guy is on his cell phone. It's this lawyer worrying about some sort of money thing. This is the sweatiest lawyer. I wrote mm -hmm. this down. He is the sweatiest lawyer ever. Like, Sweaty and paranoid every time we see him. Every Yeah, always. This guy never, I assume he's always awake. Like He never <laughs> sleeps in his life. We, we then turn to the Wyoming State Penitentiary. The library inmate guy, you know, the guy who walks by all the cells handing out books that are on the cart. That's what I just called him. I didn't look up his name. To a you can just call him Roy Orbison. There you go, Roy Orbison. Uh, <laughs> he's talking to a guy in his cell who's got long white hair and a beard and his name's Shay played by William Forsyth he's feeding him some info and getting him onto some quote-unquote crew and then Shay is drawing some symbol on a piece of paper that's also a tattoo on Roy Orbison's neck Shay has a visit and it's with that edgy, sweaty lawyer from earlier. And he's talking to him about a transfer deal he made for him. And during this, a tab is taped to a file on the table that the lawyer has. And it says, the match is lit. We then literally see a match get lit and uh, light a cigarette that's attached to a bunch of matches and left in the forest. It's perfect because there's a match cut 
from a match to lighting a cigarette. <laughs> yes. it, it's, it's, it's so purposeful. And Bowie's Cat People's playing on the soundtrack. Right. Like a perfect sequence. <laughs> just seeing that cigarette, that cigarette slowly burn down to the matches, too. It's just the perfect wick for this movie. <laughs> They should have like used that in the trailer in like a countdown, like oh no. I, I was impressed that they had the budget to get a David Bowie song in this movie. I was like, oh, good on them. God. That was probably a chunk of cash right there. Uh, unless he was with Fox, like Fox produced the record or owned the label. That's, that's possible. Or or, mm-hmm. or Bowie and Howie Long are just great friends. Like they hang out at like a Super Bowl once <laughs> or something. Let's go with that one. Let's You're go going to be a great action star, Howie. Perfect. And then they went out and threw the 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 ball around for a little bit. Yep. They Throw that pig skin. Yep. Yeah. Sure. But we had an arm on him, right? Right. Prince was there. Prince was, yeah. <laughs> so they played some basketball later, is what you're saying. Exactly. And had pancakes. Shay begins doing something in his cell as these matches go off. The next morning, a helicopter pilot finds smoke from the cigarette match trap. Howie, his team is eager to move on it, but he says to have the county send their crews. Before um, Howie and the gang all leave, they, they establish some of the characters. The one is named Cowboy, and we know this because he wears a cowboy hat. I, just <laughs> sure. I know, I know. God. Yeah, this was back when we had an action movie. Every character had to have some kind of wacky, you know, character trait about them. Like, you, you're a cowboy because you wear a cowboy hat, and you're limpy because you got am a Am I an actual cowboy? Well, you wear the hat. So I'm a poser. Just put on the hat. He uses dip. We'll call him Tex. Yeah. When I saw him, I immediately thought of Wild Bill from G.I. Joe and the character from Silverhawks that also had a cowboy hat. I was just thinking, like, was this just a time period where if there was enough people, eventually someone was going to wear a cowboy hat? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) at the state pen Shay has shaved and dyed his hair and then kills the Roy Oberson guy who uh, was also shaving at the time he pretty much taking on his look he stabs him through the neck and then he lays him on the floor but yet we see like a it's like a load of blood start to fill the sink do you notice that (laughs) he's standing at the sink he stabs him in the neck and then lays him on the floor and then we see this rush of blood hit (laughs) go through the sink i was like no no i I wrote this question down because i needed to know when did shay realize he looked like roy orbison at what point did he like in all of the plotting because i I assume there's an elaborate plan for him to escape from this prison that he needed to involve sweaty lawyer and scott glennon so was it upon his arrival he like the, the gears in his head immediately started ticking it's like oh the librarian looks just like me like just cut my hair we got the same build yeah yeah like we're both kind of paunchy so yeah yeah this could work it's it's as elaborate as john malkovich's i'm gonna make a fake wall in my cell and put a bomb inside of my lunchbox plan in con air like, yeah that's that's that's, the, that's yeah the this point. movie is kind of like shitty con air at times Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, did get the yeah, feeling. Yeah, this movie is about seven different shitty action movies put into one. 
I assume I assume Graham Yost was doing a lot of ghostwriting on all of these scripts back in the day. That's probably right. has a lot of same skeletons. He didn't realize he'd already written this movie before, like seven times. Just, just, and... Like he, he wanted his his 1995 Macintosh and went to the <laughs> hostage taker pages file and like brought that out and just renamed all the characters and changed the setting. He, fire. he had one script that kept getting like changed so much during production that like he'd like take his name off, sell it to someone else. They'd change it so much and he'd move on. He's like make my script damn it he was the robert town of diehard knockoffs yes <laughs> shay easily gets on the bus looking like roy orbison no questions asked many of the inmates getting on the bus stare at him as they sit down they all say they know who he is and threaten him for what he did to davis that's apparently the roy orbison guy's yes. name shay says davis is faking an illness and he tells him that they will be financially rewarded if they play along. Five million apiece. Shea feeds him information about Davis that makes him untrustworthy about the guy. I said $20 million to be split four ways. Now that's five million apiece. Davis said to put it in a foreign account under his name and that he would arrange payments for everyone. That son of a bitch. He thinks we're stupid. When Davis gets out of that infirmary, he's going into the morgue. Hey, just out of curiosity, what was he faking? I believe he said something about a pain in the neck. And the bus we see is driving in toward the fire. We cut to a bird watcher slash photographer. Her name's Jennifer. And uh, the chirping then goes silent from the birds, and she notices the raging fire coming. They shoot the shit out of that blue jay. Like, they like they film it really close. They film its eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, like, wow. It's like they found those blue jays. Like, guys, we got to get the camera all over this. People are going to eat this up in the theater. This shot of the blue jay right now, like, it's great. Like, they, they really went for it to, int- to introduce her. And, of course, that's Susie Amos, or as I call her, queen of the world, Mrs. James Cameron. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. She just looks at birds. It's, just, it's one of those characters, like, you think, is this necessary to the film, or why are you here? And also, how did you not smell the smoke from the fire that is surrounding you? I, I assume that they originally were courting um, Sandra Bullock to make her part of the Speed universe. Right. Again, and she was just like vacationing by herself in the forest. <laughs> That's clearly what happened, yeah. yeah. The prison bus approaches and the inmates are put to work. At the office of Howie Long, they are screwing around, playing some ping pong, having some laughs. And at the fire... Packer, played by Barry Pepper. With the, with a great haircut. He's like got the Jared Leto blonde from Fight Club. Yeah, but Jared Leto, he just wears his hair like, you know, whatever. Barry Pepper, bowl cut. All the right. Bo- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Barry, Barry Pepper went in and said, give me the blonde Mo Howard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, sure thing, Chowderhead. And they gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> he poked him right in the eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Packer distracts an officer. Shay lights a match and starts a little fire. Once it's pointed out, they begin disarming the workers and firemen, police officers, killing them, taking over. When Shay confirms the map with one of the inmates, he kills him. I, I, okay. <laughs> they, he tells he tells them, like, oh, he got shot by the officer as he went down, but I got the officer. So they all agree to split that guy's share of this money. They all change from their orange jumpers into yellow ones, and Shay calls the smoke jump base camp, 
And he says he's got everyone on the bus, and once they ride out, they're all clear, which he's got, I don't know, is this like a combination of firefighters and inmates, or who are the, these guys locked in the bus are? I, I was confused. No, thanks, because they explained it earlier. No, it's 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 the warden, it's like the prison wardens and the and the inmates, and the, the idea is that the, they, well, I mean, you figured out that the inmates are, they help out with, like, firefighter duties. And right, stuff. Like yeah. You know, but, but then they lock them all together. All together. That's what I figured, but they all look like... Out. They all look like typical dirty, like, inmates, so I couldn't tell who was who. Well, the guards are still wearing their guard uniform. Mm-hmm. Like, the one, like, the black guard, they knock out. Like, he's in there with a broken nose, like, the yeah. entire movie. Like, yeah, they're, they're there. There's at least one smoke jumper in the, in the bus. The Shaw guy, the guy that's supposed to... We're supposed to care about or something, I guess. Gotcha. I guess. I, I, I'm going to ask this question. At the end of, of this conversation where they, they radio the people on that bus, uh, one of the people back at the smoke jumper headquarters says, Hey, Sherm, uh, still got your Pulaski? What the fuck does that mean, guys? I'm not a smoke <laughs> jumper. I don't know. Well, maybe they should let the audience know what the hell they're talking about. It might be a little... Might, might be beneficial. Well, they didn't answer, so, I mean, that's kind of their clue. Is, like, I thought that, that something was going to come back to that because, uh, you know, Shay leaves them all to die on there, and then he makes that joke comment to no response. So I figured that that was going to go somewhere, but they just kind of just go, okay, well, well, it's fine. Maybe they realized that their joke wasn't funny and, like, you know what, Sherm, you were right to not respond. That's on me. <laughs> I, I have no idea what it is. Uh, Shay tells his crew of felons that firefighters don't carry guns, so they need to ditch them. So they all throw them in the woods, and the inmates on the bus begin to flip out. Howie, in a helicopter, approaches the fire. He gets word that the county crew is leaving, so without authorization, he swoops down to take a closer look. The the, the helicopter pilot's very uneasy about this. He's like, don't jump out of my helicopter! The helicopter pilot hates everyone that rides with him. He's always like, I don't think that's a good idea! People oh, keep no. jumping out of my damn helicopter! Stop jumping! It's probably his personality. He had antlers on his helmet. <laughs> I wouldn't want that guy to be my pilot. <laughs> they got them on set. I'm doing a pitch perfect impression of this guy, by the way. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna mix in clips and we're not gonna know who's you and what's from the movie. <laughs> Shay and company make their way through the woods. Jennifer is caught in the middle of a roaring fire and checks her map to find that there's a trading post, which apparently there's by looking at the map, you know that place is not on fire. It's in an open field as opposed to within all the trees. I think that's a good reason to assume okay. why it wouldn't be on okay. fire. I'll back this movie whenever I can because I think it does what it needs to pretty well. <laughs> so Howie then puts these little golf ball, ping pong ball things in the shooter machine and begins firing them out, which just creates more fire, which is him trying to like redirect something fire on fire. The idea is that if that fire is there, it'll burn up all the oxygen. So when the big fire comes, there won't be as much oxygen and it will hopefully die down. That's the theory, at least, for shooting fireballs out of a helicopter. Again, I do think that they've researched this. I don't think they're just randomly. Well, no, no. I, I, like, I like the idea that they're showing you, okay, this is how these guys function. But it's not no. dealing with silliness of the William Forsythe plot. I do like that they're showing you how smoke jumpers function in this world. Like, I don't know this. Like, it's it's kind of it's neat. No, it's a, it's a controlled burn. I mean, yeah. right? That's what that is. Yeah. Like how they set huh. off, like, avalanches in the... Uh, 
various areas, various ski areas, so like they can prevent bigger avalanches from happening, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Back at base camp, Wint is helping them mark the action going on out there, and they realize that the county ground pounders never gave them a call to say they were clear. Uh, they radio them as the inmates are getting free, and one of them tries to pick the lock, but he fails. And then Wint volunteers to go check this all out. I like that he drops the thing and everyone's like, you idiot. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like so they just all just give up then? Like, yeah, like, oh, whatever. The Shea group of people is stopped and has to reroute due to the big fire. Jennifer ends up running into them and Shea sells himself as a hardcore Canadian firefighter. And Shea tells her to come along, whispers to the guys so they can have a female hostage, which I... I laugh when he brought this, like, Canadian shit going on. I thought it was hilarious. I'm so happy to see you. Jeez, lady, there's a big fire coming this way. What the heck are you doing out here? I studied birds, and I was working up on Middle it's Ridge, and... good, but we gotta get going now. Mind you, we'd all like to get our butts back to Alberta in one piece, if possible. Alberta? We're down from Canada helping out. Can you take me out of here? Right on. But no bike, eh? Uh, Cam, could we, like, ask you something, eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought this worked. I was, I thought it was, uh, I was, thought it was pretty funny. I'll say this: I think William Forsythe is great in this movie. He sinks in like he. Well, there's very few things he's not pretty good, like great in. Like he's for sure, but like in like a villain role like this, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what you get William Forsythe to do, and it's. Of these diehard knockoff movies, like obviously this one's not going to come up as much as some of the others, but I think villain-wise, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good villain for this movie. Yeah, I fully believe that William Forsythe was just waiting to kill everyone he encountered. Right, yeah, I know. Like, as soon as you see him, like, he's going to murder everyone he sees. Howie ends up parachuting from the helicopter against the pilot's wishes. Shay and the crew see him landing, and Jesse gets caught up in a tree, and he drops his, his axe falls. Uh, Shay's crew meets him when they land, and he's baffled at why they're heading into the fire, and they group up and go. Wint shows up on the bus. He asks if anyone knows how to hotwire a bus. He begins driving them away. Everybody raises their head when he asks that. Right, yeah. Howie and Shay's group head to the trading post as Howie's got a lot of questions as to what the hell they were doing being these firefighters and, and Forsyth just plays it off as like, oh, you know, just one thing or another. And I was, you know, we're not as good as you, blah, blah, blah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but I like how I like how they build that, like how he, his, his questioning and keeping his leadership, but also knowing something's a, a foul. Like, I'm not going to say Howie Long's great in this movie, but at the same time, well, what they gave him to do, like, at this point. I'm not calling him great. I'm just saying the character is written. I like no, what they're I'm, doing here, yeah. But, but, I, but I, I'm going one step further and saying what he's given to do, like, he he makes sense to me as, like, a Boy Scout that, like, is smart enough to realize something's weird but just not quite there yet. Like, he's doing his job. It works. Like he, I'm entertained by this. Yeah, he's good at that. However, like, displaying any kind of emotion, not great. Well, everything's worked out for him so far, so he has no reason to get sad. Like, everything's gone his way. <laughs> Because he's right all the time. He is. Allie's right all the time. I mean, all he's got it—he's got it in him. All, I mean, this this character, all it calls for is the skills of like a football captain or coach to be right. in charge. I mean, that's all it is, and he's—he's he's fine for it. The most emotion he sheds is when he has like a bemused look on his face every time an axe nearly falls next to him. Right. Like that's the most multiple emotion. times in this movie. It's the running joke. He almost dies. <laughs> the bus gets into safety. I thought Wint was going to like drive it off a cliff and kill everybody. Because <laughs> I was just like, when are they going to tell us he's involved? Where's the clue? And he like saves people. <laughs> so 
He, he stops to rescue a cat from a tree. He <laughs> buys ice cream for the lost orphans on the road. Like, he's a great guy until the end. He's like, no, this is how you cure AIDS, guys. Here. Oh. <laughs> With fire? What? <laughs> so he talks to a cop about a Randall Alexander and some tunnel thing and a guy hiding money. It's Forsyth. Bullshit but it's the backstory on that. And Wint then takes off, and the police officer gives him the suspicious look that I've been having in my brain the whole time I'm watching this movie, and Scott Glenn's on the screen. Howie and the bad guys arrive at the trading post. Uh, he goes to get water, and Shay asks the uh, not-blonde guy from Die Hard to go take take the fireman. And uh, Jennifer's confused, and Shay punches her in the face. Yeah. Knocks her down. Just bam. Packer doesn't seem to like that, but he, he quickly settles down. And he and the other guy, what was his name? The the other, just the other guy around, not the blonde. The Wilkins. Wait, the Loomis. Loomis. Yes. They take Jennifer away to go to like the car, the truck, or whatever. And inside the trading post, the blonde goon pulls some kind of weapon off the wall. Is how he tries to make a phone call on like a super old phone. And in the reflection, he sees the guy coming at him with an axe, and they fight. Shay locks them in with the old uh, handle through, you know, the broom handle through the door. Ram horns. Ram horns. Door handles. Yes. It doesn't get more macho than a fight taking place in a a trading post in Wyoming with two guys with axes that are right. brawny guys right. as gasoline and fire eventually fills the frame. <laughs> right. You must expect them to take a pause and just start like working out during the fights. Yeah. And then to put like hearts on fire on the soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> But the, uh, yeah, and then they form a friendship from that fight. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's about the running on the beach. There you go. <laughs> ding, ding. So in the escape car, Packer tries to ask Jennifer on a date. And that, you know, after this whole thing is over, she sneakily reaches for the seatbelt. And Shay begins covering the trading post in gasoline and then lights it with a flare. His name is Carge, the blonde guy. Carge. Not Carl, like diehard Carge. Actually throws a kayak at Howie. I know. I noted that. Yes, later because that was great. Yes. I saw. I saw it on the. You know, when they're earlier fighting, it's hanging from the ceiling, and, and then it gets used. I was like, all right, that's cool. This is a good fight scene. I like this fight scene. They yeah. use the environment a lot. Howie Long does a drop kick in this movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> that was good. That was a, and, and I'm pretty sure it was actually him doing it. Yeah, I was, I was, oh yeah. I wanted to say, like, how much stunts is Howie doing? I want to make sure yeah. I pay attention here. It's like no, they're they're not cutting away from him too much. So it's like yeah, he's yeah. he's involved. There was a lot of the parachuting that looked like it was him too. They either had like a really good looking stunt double, or he was actually doing that. Yeah, that's what they should just have him do. Like no dialogue, just have him doing stunts the whole time. Yeah, just the Harold Lloyd of our time. Right. <laughs> Carge tries to leave, but he can't get out, and Shay tells him uh, he is killing him, and then he shoots him through the door. Three times, in the head. In the head, all like a triangle. Because being He's... surrounded by fire in a wooden cabin wasn't enough. Hey, there's a chance of escape. <laughs> you know? let's, just, let's note, by the way, that Bill Forsyth, behind a door, is like Tom Cruise collateral accurate with that gun. Right. And later on, he has like Howie Long in front of him on a motorcycle he cannot hit him to save his life it is entirely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well see that's the thing william Forsythe's character has x-ray vision that's how he was able to do it yeah yeah, huh. yeah that makes sense now and then it was just too bright with the fire later <laughs> <laughs> you got it in the car jennifer strangles the driver with the seatbelt and snatches a gun 
However, it's not loaded, so it doesn't last long at all. There's just no nothing there. And Shay gets in and says that Howie Long is dead, along with the goon. Howie winds up finding a dirt bike and escaping the trading post as it blows up off screen. There are multiple times in this movie where it does a rack zoom, and it's hilarious every time. Like at the mm-hmm. like the beginning of the movie with the the girl that's like in the cabin and it rack zooms on her. Yeah, was... and then like you said, like there's like an explosion off screen, but it rack zooms in on the gas the... thing, the gas yes. co- continually yes. going up. Yeah, it's really trying to capture the vibe of the gritty '70s with this movie. That's that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. The helicopter returns and they notice that Howie isn't with him. The pilot lets him know they jumped and to meet the ground pounders. And that's when Scott Glenn's like, they're not ground pounders. In the car, Shay reveals what a gross sexual predator that Packer is. If you're looking for an ally in Mr. Packer, I must caution you. The man has raped numerous women, amongst other barnyard creatures, I'm quite sure. Well, I guess that would make you a goddamn liar. I ain't ever raped no one. Why live in denial, Mr. Packer? Be who you are. Let it all hang out. And in your case, that's what's known as a sexual predator. Dr. Auslander said I was all right. You just said it was chemical imbalance, that's all. Chemical imbalance. I believe I know what chemical is imbalanced. <laughs> Funny guy. And at first, he's like, as uh, William Forsyth says, like, he'll, you know, get with whatever he gets his hands on, including farm animals. Yes. And I really thought that Barry Pepper's retort was going to be, that's not true. I have never been with a farm animal. Like, <laughs> right. they didn't go that far. They were on a farm. What are you talking about? It was the zoo. <laughs> They were house pets, damn it. Oh, no. (laughs) At the base, they notice a call tried to come in from the trading post. And uh, two of the dudes, I think one cowboy guy or whatever, they go to check it out. And Wint looks on, upset. Back in the car, Shay decides to spill out his plan in front of Jennifer to have them escape by floating out on the river. A tree falls in front of their truck and they all get out to check it out. And Howie then drives by on his dirt bike, knocking them out and scooping up Jennifer. And uh, just as Howie says, we won't be seeing them again, the truck catches up (laughs) and gives chase. (laughs) That was... Doesn't this show up? It explodes through a flame. Yes. And then Shay is now mad at himself because he revealed how they were going to escape while Jennifer was in the car. Howie and Jennifer swap positions on the motorcycle, and Jesse revs a chainsaw and throws it back at the truck, and it hits through the windshield. And they stop, and they take it off and continue the chase like nothing happens. I kept thinking, man. This should have been in 3D for one thing. Right. Also, yeah. this is only this this movie. You said it's filmed in '96. Right? Yeah, right. So, so that means Tomorrow Never Dies stole this move of moving around on motorcycles from this movie. There you go. Yes, clearly what happens. Clearly, I like how the chainsaw the chainsaw comes through the windshield. And they sort of like brush it off and keep going. Like I'd be like, oh shit, where did he? Where was he hiding that on the bike? Sorry, like we're convicts and that's too far. Let's just forget it. Man. Let him go. Let's escape. <laughs> they don't know where we're going after the river. Yeah, exactly. We just have to make it there first. People are gonna figure out that we escaped. <laughs> Get it. The fire then begins closing off options. Howie has Jennifer drive the bike off a cliff and he opens a parachute. 
mm-hmm. as they fly off. The car crashes. Jennifer hangs onto Jesse first by his belt, then his feet, and he loses her into some shallow, uh, roaring water in the rivers. And then he lands, and of course he says, Shit, I hate water! And he gets caught up in something on his parachute. Of course, the fire guy doesn't like water. <laughs> and, and, and he hates water because this movie's called Firestorm, damn it. Mm-hmm. Not Waterstorm. Exactly, not Waterstorm. No. You're right, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly why. Jennifer helps him out, and then the baddies open up fire on them from high up, but Shay tells him, nah, what? save your bullets. Too Can't high. get him from here. <laughs> the, the end of that action scene is clever. Like, that is a fun, like, well, that's something I haven't seen. They're just going to ride the motorcycle off the cliff to escape the guys. And it's yeah. like, well, he's, I guess he got another parachute. And a chainsaw. Him. Well, yeah, he had a whole tool, bag of tricks. This is really the James Bond of firefighters. Like, what did he? What, what, what part? What part? When he before, before he left that trading post, was like, I'm gonna need this parachute. If, uh, <laughs> I got an idea. If uh, if Twilight Time's putting this out on Blu-ray, they can totally quote me on that by saying, "This is the James Bond of firefighter movies." By the way, right. I'm completely yeah, down to have that on the on the poster. And Brendan, keep in mind, he's he's a smoke jumper. Yeah, that's true. It's in his title. He's so always ready. When he left, that's his backup parachute in case the first one didn't work. That's probably what it was. He always had it on. Yeah, he, he double bags it when he jumps. Howie gives Jennifer shit about some tin that she saved, and it's a couple of bird eggs in there. And uh, Howie knows what exact kind of eggs they are. He's a fellow bird watcher. Yeah. Chemistry. Chemistry. The deleted scene is from the big year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's, he 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 lobbied hard to play the old Wilson part in that movie, but they they, <laughs> they didn't they didn't take his auditions. <laughs> oh God. The bad guys then begin making a ruckus as they approach, like, oh, go get you! So in the background, it's like, okay. So Jennifer realizes it's uh, because she knows their escape route. This is why they're still coming after them. They devise a plan and head out. On the road, police are arresting and they're like arresting people, watching the scene, just a bunch of shit going on. And Wint is told that a body was found in the trading post, but they won't know if it's uh, Howie Long for a while. Uh, you know, he goes to leave and then that police gives him that. that that special look that I've had in my brain too since the movie started. While they're wandering through the hills, Shay knocks Loomis off a cliff to his death. Yeah. Let's see if you still know how to fly. <laughs> and, and Shay tells Packer that he slipped and fell. He's like, oh my God. And Packer's just the dumbest shit of all. That's why he's he left lost. last. He's like, well, that's unfortunate. Hmm. Well, I got to watch out with those banana peels, I guess. I don't know. Like, he just kind of <laughs> sits along with that. I like that Shay is the one that kills all of his men, though. How long is it? Like, he's a nice guy. That's like, seems like his his deal for playing in this movie. It's like, I want to be in this movie, but I, I don't want to use a gun and I don't want to kill anybody unless I really need to. Like, that seems like his only like real, real thing that he's going on here. Well, I mean, he's a firefighter. He's not like he never fires a gun in this movie. Like yeah, he, he's only he's only has this yeah they only they really keep I mean some other movie might have had him pick up a gun and suddenly have a pretty good shot but this just strictly keeps to his possible skill set. No, he's not like a security guard like John Claude Van Damme in Sudden Death who happens to know martial arts. That's like, right. I mean, it, it work it works to Howie's advantage as far as what he's supposed to be. Here. Although yeah. I, I, although I wish Howie Long would have fought a mascot in this. That'd have been great. <laughs> yeah. He threw, like, an axe at it. <laughs> Howie is hobbling through the forest. Jennifer asks him to stop as she, so she can look at his leg, and then she pops his knee back into place. 
and reveals that her father was some overzealous marine guy who taught her like all this survival shit. That's just the reason why uh, she's still with us in this movie. And they inexplicably cut to a flashback with Bill Duke. It's like, what? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Packer and Shay approach. Howie and Jennifer keep quiet and hidden as the two pass. Shay senses something up, but when he goes back, there's just a jacket lying there with some bush looking like a smiling face. It's a fake fireman, which is so yep. funny. And I think, I think Shay's impressed by that. He gets a little grin out of it. He's like, all right, I'm still gonna kill, I'm still gonna kill you fuckers, but that was pretty nice. <laughs> they thought it. He's probably gonna suspect us. So before we leave, let's place the <laughs> and a tree and get some things to make it look like a face, just to really throw them off. <laughs> so that way they'll definitely know that we were here. So then they both go to start a fire to get the headquarters' attention, the base jumper headquarters. While Howie Long struggles with some rocks to light a fire, she's got a Zippo and she's lighting it up in a in a humorous scene. When this stuff happens, I just thought it's too late in the movie to develop your character. Like, you came into this movie really late. Like, you like birds. Stick to fucking birds, woman. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe not that aggressive, but... I mean, yeah, when she's, like, telling Howie Long her backstory about her dad and all that, like, I don't care. Are you trying to build a romance here or, like, a mutual respect? Or what What are you going for here, movie? I think they're just trying to show she can hold her own. I mean, they, they've shown it in that seat, the scene with the seatbelt where she whips a gun and strangles a guy and then she's able to fix his knee. I mean, she's it's cheaply giving her utilities so that she can just do them when they need her to. Shay's uh, attorney is then confronted by the press as Wint watches is it on TV. Uh, Monica, the female smoke jumper, tells him that Howie can't be dead because she notices his fire signal he just lit on the tracker. So Wint then notices uh, that two fires are coming and about to collide. Those two fires will collide and suck all the oxygen out of the air. He won't survive, not even in the lake. He'll be in the middle of a firestorm. Two name drops. Awesome. <laughs> That's when uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio drops in and says, The storms have collided! <laughs> as as Packer and Shay walk around, they bump into Jennifer, who goes crying for help to Howie, and she falls, and we see it was just a trap as Howie zips down and has Packer caught on a line and pulls him up to the top of the trees. Shay then shoots and hits Jesse in the arm, also hitting Packer. Howie then drops Packer and he gets, begins to yell at Shay and Shay shoots him up and he takes Jennifer as he furthers himself into the smoky forest. Shay gets off that line. He's like, smoke jumper! You still alive? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. I forget, yes. Hey, smoke jumper! You still alive? Hey, Jesse! Probably not. You are! I got your girl here. Come and get her. He's like really excited about all of this. Like he's like, it's unfortunate that all this has happened, but hey, you know what? I'm having a good time. Like that's his whole kind of deal with this. <laughs> this could be worse. <laughs> he's confident he's gonna make it. Mm -hmm. When he says that, though, he, like just for a moment, he turns into a sweaty Southern sheriff. When he says that line, like, you're still alive. He's been Canadian. He's been yeah. a Southern sheriff. Yeah, they might as well call him the chameleon of this movie because he is, he's everybody. Yes. I assume he's rated dresses as um, Howie Long if he gets out of this alive. Right, true. <laughs> 
get himself a buzz cut and somehow like <laughs> suck suck in his gut or something. <laughs> Super jacked. Yeah. He goes and tackles a quarterback. He's good. And so, what was the plan that they? Because you said it's a trap, but it's like it has to be like the worst trap. Is like I'm going to stumble out in front of the men that want to kill me and then run away from them, assuming they won't shoot me on sight, mm-hmm. and then I'll trap one of them by the leg, knowing that the other one's still going to be there. And then Howie Long, who won't have anything to do except be able to hold this log to make the first trap work, will somehow also disable Shay. It's a very complicated well, plan. Well, Shay <laughs> seems to think of Jennifer as this leverage. So the whole yeah, movie, he yeah, thinks like, like right. she 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 can't be killed. She they need her as a hostage for leverage. So he'll take her as far as he goes without being caught. Probably thinks like, oh, look at her. I got her. If I have her, then he won't touch me as, until he gets her back. So maybe it just feels like everything about her is to justify her being in the movie. You know, it's like, see, she should be here because of these skills and because you can use her and just all this stuff. When really, it's like, you know, she doesn't. Other than putting Howie Long's leg back in its socket, she doesn't really need to be in the movie that much. They're like, she's a strong female character that can hold her own, but yet she's a damsel in distress at every turn. And like she's age appropriate for Howie Long, which is like, what an interesting choice they've made to like make this all work out to like for the to make sense of the film, yet still have like incorporate some kind of female lead character in this in a movie that's very manly otherwise. Like why could why couldn't it be like the him and the uh, female smoke jumper go out and she gets caught up in with all those right. guys? That that would have been better and made more sense, and you if, wouldn't have to tack on another character because she's not really doing that much. The female jumper isn't doing that much at all in this movie other than being back at the headquarters. They all could have easily gone out there and then they like you kill Cowboy, right? Because that's the one you like. Like, oh, that mm-hmm. sucked. That guy died because he was the funny one. And you like you put the odds against them. But it seems like the movie probably budget, if anything. There's a darker spin on what happens. But as it stands, this movie's relatively light as far as for an R-rated movie, especially. It's not really that grisly. No. The only people that, the only people that die are either convicts or that's it really like, yeah. everyone's bad that dies in this movie. there's no there's no good person that dies in this movie well i mean somewhere along the way, they should have had like scott glenn's character go in with them on the jump and then he finds that group of guys and builds the trust like oh these guys are from this group and so they buy into the shea group yeah. because that one guy says hey these are these people i bet that's all budget like as far as how many days can we afford to have Scott Glenn around? Because like, yeah, the second he's revealed, he dies the next scene. Like that's just like really, right, right. that's it. right. That's, that's it for him as far as his treachery goes. Yeah, and I, and I'm 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 honestly you know it's funny like what is Jennifer's purpose here? Because at the end of this movie, I, jumping ahead a little bit, I'm convinced that she just like says thank you to to Howie Long, and he says thank you, and and they just they never see each other again. Yeah, because it's not a lovage. There's people caught up in this situation. Like that's yeah, what's happening. There is zero chemistry (laughs) between those two. I don't even believe that they could be friends. Like, I believe they can exist on the same planet. That's about as close as I can believe that they get. And even then, they filmed her scenes on the moon. So it's like, it's not even like they had to be able to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Did not spend their money efficiently. They made this movie. Yeah. Terrible. It's Fox. So they had Richard Branson's jet that got him out to space. (laughs) And do you think, Aaron, that this is the, the. The Fox Forest that they're burning up here? 
Is this the classic? Oh, of <laughs> oh yeah, the Vancouver Fox Forest. Of the course. Very, yes. Went takes off into the helicopter and goes to jump in the action. Shay stops in the forest and gets pissed at Jennifer for moving too slow and not thanking him for killing Packer. Went gets to the spot and jumps into the action and he just says, "It's something I gotta do." At the river, the fire is roaring and Howie is making his move slowly, but is stopped by Went. They watch Shay and Jennifer go to board a speedboat. Howie tells Wint he knows he did this. Like, it, it's just not... He's like, yeah, I know. D4. No one's that smart. Not even you, Wint. Why'd you do it? I'm supposed to be a control burn for a developer. I needed the cash. Smoke jumping was all I had. I've got nothing left now. I didn't know about the prison break. Why did you come to me? It was just too late. Now get sick of your shit, bitch. Just get that girl. Move it. Do what I tell you. I'll go around behind the boat shed. Wait here for my signal. Jesse. I'm sorry. Brace you down, Chief. Not this time, Chief. They agree to go stop Shay, but, but went quietly loads his gun and went yells at Shay for him and his lawyers setting him him up how uh, they both fire on each other how he shows up to fight and Jennifer gets knocked into the boat the firestorm then comes roaring in as Jesse swims underwater Shay takes off in the speedboat how he pops up from the water and flips the fire axe from afar into the guy's chest this shot is pretty epic. This is the movie right here. This is the movie. Like, like he can't be. It's not. It's not shallow. So he's not standing. So he had. To, he had to thrust his entire upper torso out of the water and lift an axe and thrust it forward uh, like fifty yards across. And he's a defensive end. Like it's not even like he's done this in football. Like, but like he, right. he threw this all the way down. I must say, right in the chest. Remember what Colin said during hard rain about getting up and shooting from underwater and hitting people. This is even tougher. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you have to use it, all of your like, like, like. And you have to have uh, good uh, aim. Uh, right. <laughs> this is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. It's awfully smoky out there, so it's not right, easy to right. see. I don't want to brag, but I throw an axe in my day, and I couldn't imagine doing that <laughs> in water. Because part of it is about like, like where you put your feet and how much weight and momentum you can get into it. And there's zero when you're in the water. I, 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 if he was like had like some kind of oxygen tank and fired out of the water, at least he would have some kind of distance. Or like, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I don't know how you could make that believable. I mean, it looks badass, but it's not. It's, belie- it's believable because it's Howie Long, and Howie Long's always right. There you go. You've done it again, Aaron. <laughs> Jennifer drives over the boat over to pick him up, but he flips the boat, and they hide under it, and Howie then kicks off the fuel tank so it goes underwater and doesn't explode. It lands next to the axe, which we should know is not in Shay's body, and a bullet flies through the boat. Uh, Shay pops up. Howie and him struggle underwater as the gun can, goes off multiple times. Shay goes to strike Jennifer, but Howie comes from 
underwater and shoves up his like feet and shoves his head through the boat in which he is then burnt to a crisp screaming and kicking as they hang under the boat watching the most grisly death <laughs> it's, it's pretty rad it's pretty hardcore it's especially after i've already said howie long is a nice guy and he's like he hasn't killed anybody he does like horribly destroy william Forsyth's character by the right. movie. <laughs> he throws an axe yeah. in his chest and then like basically decapitates him by, via fire <laughs> it's right. like, oh exactly he he aquamans up to him and oh yeah his head to the bottom of a boat <laughs> just like I was like, oh no. Burned to death. But he doesn't just get burned to death. It's just his head. And then he's like, my man. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so as they pop up after the madness it's raining and they watch as the burnt forest is being be put out this is where i cue the jars of clay when they get to the shore jennifer opens her tin to show that the eggs have hatched they didn't drown oh, they know they're... shit they've been surrounded by warmth yeah. the whole time <laughs> they're the ugliest birds you've it's, ever seen he goes there he yeah. goes I'll be damned. They're ugly little critters. <laughs> I know. Don't you just love them? Well, I guess I could learn to. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, is he like, oh, I guess I could move in, you know, if we're going to do this. <laughs> they got, they're going to share custody of the birds. Yep. But then, like, he tries to touch him and she slaps his hand away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Howie pet bird. <laughs> Then the the smoke jumpers dive out of a plane towards them, and one named Sherman is yelled at to open his chute, and we then see an axe fly from the sky and land at Jesse's feet. He shakes his head, and credits roll. (laughs) Again, that running theme of almost being murdered. When Howie throws an axe, he hits. He scores. Not like Sherm, who does not understand how to attach a axe to you so it won't fall off and fall through Howie Long's head. But yeah. I assume he was also Scott Glenn's son, so he's by default now Howie Long's boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sequel. Right. It's, it's Firestorm, Sherman on the Rocks. Sherman on the Rocks. Sherman on the Rocks. Uh, do, do you think that any of the actors kind of resented Howie Long? Not just beca- not because he's an act- he's trying to act in this movie, but because he's the lead actor in this movie and he's had such little acting experience meanwhile all these people it's their job and they're doing you know doing their best and like the the biggest thing that they've done up to this point is a howie long action movie i'm sad enough there's not more behind the scenes stories in the same way that like hard hard rain was like Yep, this sucked filming, but we all got along. I wish I could hear something about this Firestorm movie. Well, didn't someone die doing like a parachute? Yeah, parachuting stuff. Yeah, someone died in the name of Firestorm. I believe it wasn't like you didn't, you know, get engulfed in flames because there is just fire everywhere in this (laughs) movie. It's rare when you don't see fire. I heard snowman dives, smoke inhalation or something, but no. Yeah, I, I don't think they'd be. I mean, they don't fit the casting call for tall, beefy, super huge guy. So I don't. I don't think they'd be that mad. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's a movie that Stallone, you know, got out of, where it's like, well, we need to still film this because we've already sunk some money into it. So you got the, you know, you got a guy that's also on a Fox contract. Nobody wants to work with Seagal. Yeah, well, then Seagal's like a he's a Warner Brothers guy, right? Like he's. Not oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. 
Like, so then you have Howie Long, he just does Broken Arrow, and it's like, all right, let's see what this can, let's see what this can do. Like, you know, you, you test people got to come from somewhere. You test them out, and it's like maybe it works. Should have got Christian Slater, right? That's this feels well, like Slater this could have like captive, you know. This is this is drug years of Christian Slater, right? Doing this. Oh, he did Hard Rain. I mean, barely. He barely got Hard Rain. Right. <laughs> I don't believe Christian Slater throwing an axe after exploding through the water. I just don't. Yeah, Travolta was. Busy <laughs> prepping for you're, you're recovering from face off, so you can have time for this. Or 98, he was filming the general's daughter, that's what was going on. Yeah, I could see Stallone doing this, but then oh, easily, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who, uh, who would be the other guy that, that you get? And I guess, how long? There you go. You know, like I said at the beginning, this has a real cliffhanger vibe to it. It's it's all, I mean, there's a touches of like tons of, of these in here. It's like it's like we don't know how to make one, so let's just piece together things from other action movies of the '90s we've seen. It's all these other action movies they've taken from. Although ironically, not the Towering Inferno. With all of this said, I, I, now having not seen this movie in probably 20 years, it hangs together better than I expected. Like it's it's quick for one thing. It's only nine. It's eighty. It's eighty nine minutes yep. of credits. Like mm-hmm. it it moves. Like I I enjoyed my time rewatching it. Like it's it's not. It's not high arts, but it gets the job done as far as, yeah. It's, I mean, it it's really in a forest fire. I noted that when the time comes that it turns to Howie Long versus the bad guys, it's 51 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. takes a, it takes a good half half the running time to get to the actual diehard scenario of this movie. Which is weird because it, that's long. But like when I watched the opening scene, I was like, man, like there was so much going on in that opening scene. And I felt like I'm like, wow, that was a really long opening scene. This is only 88 minutes. And I, I hit the, the timer thing. I was like, oh, that was 10 minutes. Oh, if I, it just it, it uh, not in a bad way, but it felt longer than what it was just because so much happened in that. Yeah. And then, and most of that, I guess, was the word firestorm with names rolling across it. <laughs> uh, so, like, really, yeah, the 51 minute mark to the end is him. And I mean, it ends instantly. There's enough, like, death. natural disaster action to keep it going before that happens. Like, there's a parachuting sequences, there's random fire, bad guys killing people. Which I think is effective for what it's doing. Like, I. <laughs> I mean, I like this more than Eve of Destruction, the Gregory Hines movie we talked about. God, like it's yes. like it's, it's it does what it does well enough. Yeah. Like I it's like a thirteen percent Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm thinking, Yeah, I get that, but at the same time it's like it's fine. Like in the realm of because we've talked a lot about the January nineteen ninety eight movies for whatever reason, and like this and Deep Rising and uh Hard Rain, obviously, like these all came out around each other's like this fits right in with those. Like this yeah. makes yeah. Fun. Oh, this is a movie that's better. Like oh, you say, the thirteen percent Rotten Tomatoes, but this is a movie better in hindsight than in the moment. First, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I could pile this in with the other kind of knockoff movies of its type and not feel like this is right, the one that right. sticks out for being the worst. It's like this. It's whatever. It's, it's... Yeah, watching it now, which is fine, but th- there was. I refuse to believe anyone was excited to see this movie when it originally came out. Well, it didn't exactly break the bank, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no one was clamoring for a Howie Long vehicle, surprisingly. 
I don't I don't watch too much footballs, let alone the commentators. But I do I do I would like to think that they all give Howie Long shit for being in this movie. Like they like they like, still you know, do, or like they post like images from it like on his locker or something every time he rolls in. <laughs> or like like who's who's gonna win the game today, the playoff game today? Howie's like I pick the you know the Steelers over the Patriots. Is like oh just like you pick Firestorm to be number one at the box office in 1998. <laughs> 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 Anytime that Howie Long says something that the other guys are like okay whatever smoke jumper <laughs> a pretty cool nickname though if they call him smoke jump i like i wonder if if there are any stories it's like howie long in general it's like i don't know him to be a guy that courts controversy very much he just seems like a nice guy like you know yeah. he played football and now he just does commentate his, so he, like, he, i think his son plays in the league now yeah, so plays, yeah, so, yeah. So I was like, you know, if the movie went on swimmingly beyond whatever certain, you know, unfortunate things that happened to some of the stunt people or whatever, it's like, hey, good on them for just, you know, making a movie, <laughs> doing their job. At 300 degrees, trees explode from their own boiling sap. At 500 degrees, rocks explode. So let's go faster, faster, faster. Now comes the portion of the episode where we rate the film we just watched. As we are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our options are as follows. Stay with your family, which means you're going to be like the smoke jumpers and just hang back at the the headquarters and let uh, someone else do the job for you. Converted, which means... You're like went and you're you know you kind of you kind of you kind of down with this little scheme going on. You're you're fine with it. Or drinking the Kool Aid, which means you are all about your money and about to bump everybody in your way off, including your friends like Shay. So, Aaron, how do you rate Firestorm? Put me in the driver's seat with uh, Scott Glenn. I'm converted. Uh, I think it's does what it needs to do. It's not quite, you know, it's not on the, the upper echelon of the esteemed movies you've talked about on previous episodes of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, but I certainly enjoyed my time revisiting Firestorm. It's it's fun. It's fine. Cullen. This movie has many uh, hallmarks that I enjoy. There's car explosions, no crotch trauma, so that's a strike against it. Uh, but there is an axe in the chest, so that's pretty sweet. <laughs> that, that I think those are pretty on the, on the same level. Howie Long's acting is... Ooh, man, the 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 trees in the forest are less stiff than him in this movie. Overall, uh, I had a good time watching it. Uh, the characters' motivations make sense. The action is, is action-packed, and uh, you know it set out what it set to do, except make a lot of money. So I am converted uh, when it comes to Firestorm, and I'm a little ashamed of that. Brandon, how do you feel about Firestorm? It's not a good movie, but I'm not staying at home because there's too much. There's too many things to enjoy about it. It's it's overall just solid. I think it's a couple stupid scenes away from being like a drinking the Kool Aid. It just didn't have any. It was a little bit too competent for that. It did ramp up. <laughs> I mean, it it does ramp up and go for it, but it needed to have this one like stunt moment that just didn't work and you laugh at, but it it, it wasn't there. But it works. It moves. It, it really does. Forsyth's great uh, in this movie because he's just. He's Forsyth, he's ridiculous, and there's some questionable things, but overall, I mean, he jumps out of the water, tosses an axe, landing in a guy's chest, and then he continues to go on and shove the guy's head through the top of a boat and just burn him to a crisp while he's just screaming, and they're, they're just hanging there watching him shake. Oh my gosh, yeah, the bad guy's death. I don't I don't see how this guy's death doesn't get brought up more often in, in awesome kills, because, wow. But the, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of funny, stupid things here, highlights, 
I mean, it's a solid watch. It's you can't get around that. Like it's unless you're an audience member in 1998. I'm glad I've I've introduced this movie to you guys since you hadn't seen it before. I keep forgetting that part. Right. When you uh, said that we were watching this movie, uh, Aaron, I was like, "You're damn right we are." Like that's that's the <laughs> that's the best one you've picked for the show. I was like genuinely right. excited to see what the hell this thing was. Get her out of here! <laughs> Too late, Chief. The wall's closed. We're trapped. Shake it, babe. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the 1987 Elizabeth Shue film Adventures in Babysitting. Joining us for discussion will be actress and host of the popular HQ trivia mobile game, Sarah Priebus. Thank you to everyone who listened in. Thanks to Aaron for his record-tying sixth appearance. All right. Thank you for having me. No problem. So what's going on with Out Now currently, Aaron? Well, we're in the throes of summer, which means there's plenty of blockbusters coming every week. So uh, we just uh, released our Skyscraper episode. We'll have a um, a double episode next week for non-blockbusters. Uh, Sorry to bother you in blind spotting, which should be a lot of fun to record. You will be involved with our upcoming Mission Impossible commentary track. So, uh, yeah, always, always plenty of stuff to go around. That's for sure. Excellent. And we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Adventures in Babysitting, the trailer that actually trails. Meet Chris Parker. Getting ready for the greatest night of her life. Hi. I got to cancel. Now she's stuck babysitting the Anderson kids. Sarah. Mom got Chris to babysit for me. Chris? Her brother Brad. Oh my. His best friend Daryl. Who is this kid? Stray dog. Take good care of my baby. I'll guard her with my life. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, I'm in trouble. Hang up and sit down. I'll be there in half an hour. This is the night when things go from bad to worse. Big city, scum sucker. Too ridiculous. Wanna go to bed? Hey, I like danger. You should try babysitting. And this is only the beginning. The friend is dead. Chris can handle it. Sarah's probably hanging from the rafters by now. Sarah, hold on! I'm still in control here. (laughs) You could say they were having a bad night. Any problems? No, not really. If they weren't having such a good time. Adventures in babysitting. Think your parents will ever ask me to babysit again? they do, I'd ask them for a buck more an hour. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. (laughs) 
uh, before we watch this, other than what I've already mentioned, is uh, our English school, t- English school, our English <laughs> high school teacher had a huge firestorm stand up. Oh yeah! Room. You know, it was like the like the size of like a double door. And he it got it from like the theater, space. right, or something. Uh, yeah, and I. He had that up, and I always thought, do you like this movie? <laughs> but I think it was really just a matter of, look at this neat thing I got from the theater. <laughs> For free, yeah. Yeah, like, For it's free. a current movie. Yeah. It's big. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I just want to ask him, were, were, was nothing else available? Was that the only thing you could get from that theater? I mean, I wound up with dumb shit like that, like the video store when they'd have, like, the poster box sitting there and be like, yeah. Okay, I'll take this. It's got like Vince Vaughn yeah. on it, and it was like some yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, so the difference is that the Firestorm thing he had was enormous. Yes, and it was in his house. It was you know where, where students came in, so hundreds of people every day saw on display. Yes, I own promotional material for a Howie Long movie. Nobody saw the movie, but they'd have to stop and ask, "Is that a good movie?" Because yeah, why would you why would you put that up if it's not? Do you like it? You haven't seen it or what? Like, yeah, I don't have posters of the Cloverfield Paradox in my house because <laughs> it sucked. Why would I do that? <laughs> but it was free. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things I can get for free. It doesn't mean I'm gonna put it on display. 